So we've been in a series that's called Faith Extinguishers. And today's actually part three of this series, Faith Extinguishers. You can hear part one and part two on our website, or not on our website, but on our YouTube channel or on our podcast. Uh, we have them on Apple and uh, Google and Spotify. All of the podcast places get our, have our, our preachings on. You can go back and listen to it. And we defined a faith extinguisher as something that will put out, extinguish, or put out our faith. Now, I want us to think of faith as a flame, as a fire. And uh, when we first started this series, I, I even gave the example. I lit a candle, and I went and I blew out the candle, and it turned off. And I lit the candle again, and I put the lid. How many of you know that if you put the lid on top of a candle, it will deprive the, ox the, the fire or the candle of oxygen, and it turns off, right? And so there's things that will extinguish or put out our faith. Now, in the same way that it is more difficult to put out a fire that is larger... The more you grow in your faith in God, it will be more difficult for things to extinguish it. But here's the other part of it. No matter the size of the fire, if you don't feed it, it will die off. Right? You think about when you do a, 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 a fire in your home, if you do like a fire pit. We did a fire pit with our young adults on Friday night. Somebody looked at me and said, it's always surprising when we do fires in Miami because it's like 100 degrees, right? You know, the fire, we lit it so we could do some s'mores and that type of stuff. And that fire's only going to go as much as you continue to put pieces of wood in it. In the same way, if somebody's fighting a forest fire, sometimes we get fires out in the Everglades or different things like that. In California, they get these wildfires. One of the ways that they combat the fire is by going ahead of where the fire's going and digging trenches so that it will not have anything to consume and eat when it gets there, right? And in the same way, you and I, if we deprive ourselves of the word of God and connection with God, even a fire ablaze for him can die out. And so we've spoken so far about two different things that can extinguish your faith. The first one was unbelief. Unbelief extinguishes faith. And the other one we talked about was doubt. Unbelief and doubt. Unbelief and doubt are similar but different. Unbelief is an absence of faith, while doubt is a, a, a lack of consistency or of knowing it, taking it to believe that it is really going to happen. It's a doubt. And today, I, I want us to start with a little image. It's going to come right up here. How many of you have seen something like that somewhere? I mean, as a matter of fact, if you see that, what does it stand for? Anybody, come on. Faith over fear. If you go on Google right now and did a search for faith over fear and went to the images section of it, there are thousands and thousands. I mean, T-shirts, mugs, hats, frames, tattoos. I mean, it's everywhere. Sometimes it literally says faith over fear. Sometimes it's faith with a line or an arrow and fear. And we hear things like that. You just need to have faith over fear. And it sounds good, right? Like it was like, come on, man, just faith over fear. Awesome. What does that mean? Anybody ask that, that question? I mean, have you ever been spoken to in Christianese? You know what I'm talking about with Christianese? Like somebody tells you something and it sounds so Christian-like and so philosophically right, but you have no idea what it means. Christianese? You've never heard Christianese? Yeah, it's Christianese. It's like when somebody that knows God talks to somebody who doesn't know anything about God and you tell them these like 
amazing Bible things. And the person just looks at you like dumbfounded, like, what does that mean? They're hearing a foreign language. And sometimes even mature believers will say things that they have no idea what it means. So I want us to talk today a little bit about faith and fear and what fear is, because here's the reality. Fear extinguishes faith. Fear extinguishes faith. I'm a definitions guy. I love to know what things mean. And if you look up the word fear, it's got about a dozen definitions in the dictionary. Here's one of them. A feeling of anxiety concerning something. A feeling of anxiety concerning something. Another one of the definitions describes it as an emotion or dread that something bad is going to happen. And there's all these different things that you and I deal with that result in fear. Now, I want to take a little side note on that because the Bible does also talk about the fear of the Lord. And that is a different definition of fear. When you hear it saying having fear of God or the fear of the Lord, it's actually reverence or standing in awe of the person. Okay? But today I want to talk about the, that emotion, that feeling of fear, dread, anxiety when something is coming. I want us to start in Matthew 14. You can go to Matthew chapter 14. We read it last week when we talked about doubt. And in Matthew chapter 14, we hear the story of Peter. Peter and all the disciples, they're on the boat that Jesus told them to get on, and they're going to the other side, and Jesus had stayed behind praying. We're in Matthew chapter 14, and it says that in verse number 24, by the time, verse 23, when evening had come, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, Command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took a hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Last week, we spoke about the fact that doubt will cause our faith to waver. But I want us to look at something right now. Fear will cause our faith to sink. Fear will cause our faith to sink. You look at Peter here. He had faith enough to walk towards Jesus. But as he's walking towards Jesus, something happened. He began to look at the wind. He began to look at the root of the problem. He began to look at the circumstance. And when he started to look at the circumstance, faith left and he began to sink. And many of us, we deal with things that bring us fear, perhaps a diagnosis. Perhaps you're trying to buy a home or looking for a home and the market is crazy. And looking at the market brings you fear. And all of these things happen on health-wise, in your marriage, with your children, you name it. And something that you look at starts to take away 
from your faith and it starts to make you sink and think that it's never going to happen. The minute that we take our eyes off of him and put it on the circumstance. I, 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 my second point is very closely is this, is what we focus on can lead to fear or strengthening our faith. What we focus on can lead to fear or the strengthening of our faith. What's the reality? The minute that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the circumstance, he looked at the waves. I mean, the guy's walking on water. And he looks at what he's walking on that's being moved because of the circumstance. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. Instantly, he begins to sink. And that's what happened to us. We take our eyes off of him, and we start to look at the credit report. We take our eyes off of him, we start to look at the stock market. We take our eyes off of him, and we start to look at X, Y, or Z. And when we begin to look at that, fear kicks in. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I hear this almost on a weekly basis. No, I, I just don't know how I'm going to do it. I, I, I'm just afraid I'm never going to be able to move out. I'm never going to be able to buy a home. I'm, I'm going to have to leave Miami. I'm going to have to do this. Those are speaking or being, we are speaking out of a position of fear that has made our faith sink. Why? Because we're focusing on everything around us instead of the one that was walking on water and invited us to walk with him. Now, fear is a natural emotion. Fear comes. But in the same way that last week we talked about doubt comes and you don't have to let it take root into your heart. Remember, Jesus didn't say, if you doubt, you messed it up. He said, if you have doubt in your heart, if you allow it to go from a mind thing to an in your heart thing. And in the same way, fear, if it comes and we allow it to take root, it stops us from doing what God wants us to do. I want us to go to Mark chapter 2. Watch Mark chapter 2. It's another passage of Jesus and disciples on a boat. Sorry, Mark chapter 4. I said 2. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse number 35. Look at what it says. It says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat as just as he was, and other boats were with him. Now, let's pause there for a second. I want us to make sure we understand. The disciples get on a boat with who? Okay, Jesus is on the boat with them. And look at what happens. Verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Watch, dig into that for a second. Jesus went on the boat with his disciples. Jesus was on the boat and the boat was being tossed by some storms. Many times we think if Jesus is on the boat, then everything should be perfect. But the reality is we go through stuff in life. But let me tell you what fear does. Watch, look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Verse 38 says, he was on the stern, he is Jesus, he was on the stern, asleep on a cushion. Some translations say, asleep with his head on a pillow. I imagine him snoring. I don't know if he snored or not, but I just imagine him snoring too. <laughs> and they woke him 
and said to him, watch, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That's fear speaking because Jesus is on the boat with them. Jesus has told them where they're, what's going to take place, right? And they look at Jesus and they're like, do you not care? Wake up. I wrote it this way. Feeling abandoned will cause our faith to be extinguished. See, fear is going to make you feel abandoned. That's what these disciples felt. They felt abandonment with Jesus on the boat. I don't know how many of you do long drives. Like, you know, you go to Orlando, you do a road trip or whatever. Anybody here do the driving and the spouse just falls asleep almost instantly? Anybody here go through that? Like, like, like that's like a thing. My wife and I, we joke with it. It's funny because some of the husbands are looking at their wives but putting their head because they don't want to raise their hands. We start driving, and I look at my wife, and I'm like, the altitude hit you, huh? Because that's our joke, right? Like, and, and, and so sometimes I'm like driving, and I'm trying to stay awake, right? No. And, and she'll be like, just wake me up if you need me. And I'm like, you're abandoning me. You're going to sleep. Like, you feel abandoned. Like, you, know, you have everybody in the car. Sometimes it's like all three girls are in the back. My wife's in the car, but I'm by myself facing the road and the 18 wheelers driving 700 miles an hour and you know what I'm talking about this is what the disciples almost felt like we're on the boat you told us to get on and you're sleeping and then they don't wake them up and say hey help us out they wake them out and they ask them the most lack of faith question do you not care that we're gonna die Read the verse. Do you not care that we are perishing? That's what they ask Jesus. That's what we ask him sometimes. Because we feel abandoned. And we feel abandoned by God in the midst of a storm of life. We feel abandoned by God because our kids are struggling. We feel abandoned by God because the economy's messed up. We feel abandoned by God because there was an issue in our marriage. We feel abandoned by God because of this medical concern. We feel abandoned by God because of fill in the blank. So it causes us fear. And that fear then quenches our faith or extinguishes our faith. It makes us feel abandoned. And if we feel abandoned by God, this is what happens. We reject him. We push him off to the side. We stop worshiping. We stop seeking him. As a matter of fact, some of us feel abandoned by God, so we jump off the boat. Forget the boat. It's getting filled with water. Save yourself. Figure it out. I remember years ago, I was at a youth retreat. And um, I was a youth pastor, and um, we were doing a, re a retreat at Lake Placid, LPCC, Lake Placid Camp and Conference Center. And uh, it's a beautiful retreat facility, and they got a lake, and uh, they, they've got all kinds of activities for the lake, and they always require you to hire lifeguards, right? And so, we, you know, they, they send you a list of companies, and so I hired these lifeguards. And we're there during one of the days of free time, and we go down to the lake, and I'm watching all the kids, and I'm doing all this stuff, and I realize some of my kids are in trouble on the lake. I see them on the canoe, 
and they're struggling and they had drifted far and there was an issue going on. And I went to the lifeguard. I went to the lifeguard. I was like, hey, these kids are struggling. Get out there. Do something. And the lifeguard looked at me and said, that's not my job. I only do the beach. I looked at them and I said, you're fired. You can leave and don't come back tomorrow. And so I jumped on a canoe. One of my really good friends, he's like a brother. We jumped on the canoe and we started going. Yeah, Hawaii Five-O, come on, all right, sorry. I love Hawaii, so all right, sorry. All right, sorry, get back. Start going. And we're going. They're very, very far. They had gotten far, and we see them struggling. And, and, and as we're going out there, and we're going against this current, and, and, and we're, we're on this canoe, and my brother, he, he looks at me, and he says, I'm going to get there faster. This is too hard. I'm going to get there faster if I swim. And he jumps out of my canoe to start swimming. He jumps out of my canoe, and I leave him behind because I'm going. And I'm like, no. Look, and, and he's in the water now, and he starts trying to swim. And you know what happens? As he's trying to swim against this current and doing it on his own strength, he starts to cramp. So now I got him drowning and kids over there. So I'm like, and I, I, see, I lock eyes with one of my other leaders who was already had driven the car, got on the shore. I mean, it was, I mean, novela, right? Like it's going on. And I lock on eyes with him. And he jumps in to go save the other guy while I'm going after the kids. And he gets to my brother, right? And he's trying to get him. And my brother's so caught up with the cramps, with the stuff, he looks and says, let me die. Go save the kids. <laughs> and my other friend, my other, my other leader, literally decks him, punches him right in the water, flips him over, puts him on his back, and takes him to shore. Watch, watch, watch. We're on the boat with Jesus, and we jump off, and he still comes to rescue us, and at times we tell him, no, no, I'm good. No, 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 I'm glad that Jesus has punched me in the face a few times, flipped me on my back, and said, can you trust me? Because what happens, even when we're on the boat and we feel abandoned, we feel we can't do it, we jump off at times. But can I tell you, he'll pursue us. He'll save us. By the way, we saved the kids. Everything worked out good. No, no, no. Only his jaw was hurt. No. Um, you and I, if we're on the boat with Jesus, need to fight that feeling of abandonment. Some of us feel he's abandoned us just because there's a crisis. But the reality is he's there. And he's going to see us through it. Will we trust him? Will we cry out to him? Will we do it? I want us to look at this. Watch. I wrote this down. I don't want to go too much. Fear not just makes us feel abandoned by God, but fear can paralyze us and keep us from our call. Fear can paralyze us and keep us from our call. It'll paralyze us. Matthew chapter 25. I'm not going to read the parable right now, but in Matthew 25, we have the parable of the talents. And this is the parable where Jesus talks about the man that gives three different people 
won five talents, won four talents or two talents, and won one. And they come, the man comes back, and the person with five talents says, hey, you gave me five, and I made five more. Here's ten. Well done, good and faithful servant. The one with two comes and says, you gave me two, and I got two more. Here's four. Well done, good and faithful servant. But you know what the Bible says? The one that had one. It actually says that he was afraid, so he dug a hole in the ground and put it. And when the master came back, he said, here's your one talent that you gave me. I was afraid. So I didn't do anything with it. There are people in this room. There are people watching online. There's people all around the world, believers, who have been given a talent by God, who have been told to do something by him, and fear has paralyzed us from taking the step. Fear has stopped us from going forward. I always talk about a story about my wife and I. My wife and I are very similar in many things, but we're very different in some. And one of the things that we're very different on is that I am an adventure junkie. She's not. And so if it takes risk, I'm there. If it's, I, 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 that's, I, that's, that's who I am. I'm an adrenaline junk. I, I, it's why I don't own a motorcycle, by the way, because I'd be the one weaving through traffic at about 150 miles an hour. So I know myself, so I don't have one. But we're on our honeymoon, and we're doing a ropes course over the rainforest. Beautiful. We're doing all these different things, and we're getting to every zip line, right? Like we're, we're getting there, and it's time to zip line. And, and, and so now I have a dilemma. Do I go first? And how do I scream to her from the other side, it's okay, you know, to motivate her to do it? Or do I let her go? Like, what, what do we do, right? So we're going through this whole course, and we do the zip line, and we do this, and we do all the other. And, and again, I'm, I'm, this is even before, like, GoPros. Like, I'm doing it with a video camera, right? Like, I'm doing it. And we get to the end of the course, and they have an area that's called the leap of faith. And they bring us to this, to this precipice. I mean, you, you've been ziplining, and now you get to the end of the course, and you're on a cliffside. And the guy, the, the, the guy leading us says, okay, we're down to the leap of faith. Who wants to go first? That's me, right? And my wife grabs me. She was like, we just got married. What, if it, what, what, what do you mean you're ready to leap first, you know? And I'm there. Take the step. You go, and then it slowly descends to the bottom. Watch. She did it. It was awesome. Great vacation. How many times? <laughs> she did it. She did it. There was no way. There's no way to climb the ropes course back. Sorry. Get back. Why did I even go there? Watch, 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 watch. Zone in. Zone in. How many times doesn't God lead us to the point where all we need to take is the next step to have our victory? But we look and we stay, but will the harness hold us? No, 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 no. How many people around us are like, no, no, don't take the leap. Don't you know what could happen? And God's there looking and saying, Papo, I built the harness. I harnessed you in. Nothing's going to happen. Take the leap. And sometimes fear keeps us at that place where the very next step will give us our victory. The question is, when God leads us to it, will we take the step? Or will we allow fear 
to extinguish our faith and say, that's it, I'm done. I'll find another way off the mountain. I'll find another way off the thing. The enemy wants us to be afraid because if we walk in fear, we cannot walk in the fullness of faith. One more time, fear can come. Fear comes, but we call out to him. I've, I've felt fear in my life. I remember vividly in high school, my dad picks me up from school and he drops me off at home one day. And I go inside, I, he drops me off, and, and this is the t before the time of cell phones. This is when we had beepers. And he drops me off. Some of you are like, what's a beeper? But I'll tell you later. <laughs> he drops me off in the front of my house, and I get down. And I open the front door of the house and I walk inside. And you know when you walk inside your house, it's usually dark because the curtains are closed, right? You leave the curtains closed and all that type of stuff. So I walk inside and my house was abnormally bright. And so I look around and I realize that my kitchen door was wide open. I'm a teenager. I go, I go, I go, I go and I close the door. How is the door? I go and I close the door. I walk down the hallway and I, the first room in the hallway was my brother's and I look inside and the room's a mess. And I walk in the next room was my mom's and I look inside and it's a disaster. And I walk into my bedroom and it is, everything is torn up. We had been burglarized. And I remember running back to the front of the house and running out the door. I wasn't even thinking. I remember even locking the door when I walked out. But I walked out of the house and I walked over to my neighbor, ran over to my neighbor and started banging on the door and the neighbor doesn't open. I run over to the other neighbor and I start banging on the door and the person I've never spoken to them, they open the door. It's like, I, I need a phone. Somebody just broke into my house and, and they give me the phone. And, and, and I didn't even call 911. This is what I did. I dialed my dad's beeper number 305-883-3007. And if you ever beeped somebody, you always had a code, right? Like every person had a code. My code was 24. And this is all I wrote down, 24-911. I promise you, I heard screeching tires from whatever it was a mile or two away that he had come and instantly I started to have peace again my dad was on the way my dad was on the way so fear comes how do we overcome fear watch you get your eyes back on Jesus you get back to dad we talked about Peter to start the story to start this message today, when he started to look at the circumstance, he started to sink. But the minute he looked back and called on Jesus, Jesus picked him up and man, they walked back to the boat. Like Peter didn't get and get dragged. He walked back in the boat. And when they got back in the boat, the wind stopped. So how do we overcome? We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. If they come off, put them back. I always give a story of my daughter, one of my daughters, Abigail. We were in Orlando at a T-Rex restaurant. That's like the Rainforest Cafe, but with dinosaurs. And I remember Abigail was little. We didn't have Alexandria. It was just Abigail. And we had gone to eat there at T-Rex. And Patty took her to the bathroom. And she comes back with Abigail from the bathroom. And Abigail is bawling, screaming. And I'm like, what happened? And, and Patty's like, the dinosaur started roaring and the smoke and all the stuff, right? So she brought her back to the table. And I had a choice. 
leave the restaurant, figure it out, whatever. But I don't like fear. So I grabbed Abigail and I carry her and I said, you're okay. And we walked right back to that dinosaur and we sat, stood there and we waited for the dinosaur to roar again and the smoke to move and all the stuff, all the time looking at her and holding her and saying, you're okay, dad's with you. And she didn't cry and she didn't lose it and she was okay. Listen, we have moments of fear and we cry and we scream, but we say, dad, Jesus. He grabs us, brings us comfort. That's the Holy Spirit. And then he'll even take us back to the dinosaur and say, I gotcha. It's okay. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. It ain't going to hurt you. I got you. Here's another one. We overcome fear by strengthening our faith. We overcome fear by strengthening our faith. Watch, 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 watch. Have you ever met someone who tried to run a mile but couldn't, and all of a sudden, they were able to run a marathon because they never trained? Have you ever met somebody that tried to pick up a, a five-pound bag of rice and couldn't, but all of a sudden, they could pin that, pick up the 50-pounder because they didn't work out? No, the reality is that the only way that you're able to carry more weight is by working out with a smaller weight and building the muscle to be able to carry the load. And let me tell you something. The Bible says that faith is a muscle. And we exercise. As a matter of fact, when Jesus answers, oh, I, I, sorry, go back to Mark 4. What did Jesus tell them when he got back, when, he, when, he woke, when they woke him up from his nap? He looked and rebuked the wind and said to them, peace be still. The wind ceased. And this is what Jesus says in verse 40. Why are so you afraid? Have you still no faith? Some translations, and also in Matthew chapter 8, when it talks the same story, it says, why do you have little faith? Oh, you of little faith. Same thing he told Peter. It's an underdeveloped faith, a wavering faith. And the only way that we're going to overcome fear is by strengthening our faith. Did you know there are 126 Bible verses that talk against being afraid and fear. 126. If you want to fact check me, you can fact check me. I did it on Bible Gateway, the website, BibleGateway.com. I used the New King James Version. But watch this, watch this. 11 times there are verses where God is talking to his children and he says this, fear not. Fear not for I am with you. Fear not for you. 11 times. Watch. Ready for this one? Not be afraid shows up 61 times. In these three variations, do not be afraid, shall not be afraid, like you shall not be afraid, and I will not be afraid. 61 times. And then another 51 times that say this, do not fear. If God talks to us about standing against fear 123 times, how many of you know it's a way the enemy attacks us and we're only going to be able to fight it as we strengthen our faith? Did you remember this guy by the name of Joshua? He takes over after Moses. And he, God tells him, it's time, take the people into the promised land. 
And God has to remind them not once, not twice, but three times. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Do not be afraid. Not once, not twice, three times. And you and I, when fear comes, we need to run and strengthen our faith. No, no, no. I will not fear for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they strengthen me. Tu vara y tu callado me infundirán aliento says it in Spanish. We overcome it by strengthening our faith. Here's the last one, number three. Worship team, start coming to the altar. I know you gave up your seats and you're outside. We overcome fear by relying on the Holy Spirit. We overcome fear by relying on the Holy Spirit. Did you know that fear is a spirit? Second Timothy chapter one, verse number seven. Paul writes to Timothy, after he tells him to fan the flame, he says, for, uh, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. In Romans, it actually says, for God has not given you a spirit again of bondage to the slavery of fear. James, or, or sorry, the book of John, uh, 1 John talks about that perfect love cast out all fear. You and I can overcome it when we call on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you a counselor, another helper. The word in the original language was parakletos, P-A-R-A-K-L-E-T-O-S. And it means this, another one like me, just like me, who can do exactly what I do. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm giving you a comforter, a Holy Spirit. Like the picture that I showed you of, of, of me calling my dad, of me carrying my daughter and facing fear. We overcome fear by relying on the Holy Spirit. Jesus, help me. God, help me. Holy Spirit, I say this, there's no room in me for any spirit but the Holy Spirit. Fear, go. Holy Spirit, come. And we have access to call on him. Why? Because we're his children when we make Jesus the Lord of our life. And so what is faith over fear? It's strengthening our belief and trust in God. That no matter if we're in a storm, Jesus is with us and we won't feel abandoned. That no matter if it looks like everything's a disaster, because he'll never leave us or forsake us, we're able to step forward. That no matter what's going on, I can believe. Yes, the diagnosis sucked. But what Jesus said in the word is different. Yes, yes, yes. This situation is not good. But I don't look at the situation. I look at the God that holds my life together. Yes, there could be a circumstance. But fear will not govern me. Because my dependency and my reliance is not on self. But on him. My faith stirs, and I'm able to believe again. And this morning, I challenge you, as I challenge myself, don't let fear extinguish your faith. Don't let fear stop you from believing for what God has said you can do and wants to do. And we fight it as we keep our eyes on Jesus. We fight it, we overcome it as we strengthen our faith 
and as we rely on the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning.